scripture memory verse tonight, 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore we do not lose heart, though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day, 2 Corinthians 4.16. Anybody else? 4.16 Therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Good job. Anybody else? Okay. Don't be fighting each other. Take your time. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Therefore we Therefore we will not lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, the in, yet the inward man is renewed day by being renewed day by day. Second Corinthians four sixteen. Good job. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I can't remember scripture. I can't remember scripture, and now she's killing it. <laughs> I think that's what four now. That's what happens when you start praying and you set your heart on something. God always, when you draw near, He will draw near to you. Anybody else? Good job. Second Corinthians four sixteen. Therefore, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though. Oh my goodness, what was it? Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Second Corinthians four sixteen. Good job. Anybody else? Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Good job. Anybody else? I, uh, I think I picked off more than I can chew on, really. And I don't know where to start at completely. And I was looking at it going, oh my goodness, what did you do with this memory verse? And so you guys are teasing me about the therefores. Because anytime you have a therefore, you have to look back to see what it's there for. And if you look back literally, and we're going to look back, and then we'll come right in two. And you go all the way back to 4-1, what do you have? You have a therefore. So, again, I mean, and that's really where this goes. It's couched in between two therefores. And he says, therefore, since we have this ministry, for one, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Again, it's couched between, therefore, we do not lose heart. So you have that twice. And if you guys remember, this is, we do not faint, King James. Lose heart. Remember, that's what we have when we did... Um, um, what is it, Galatians 6, 19? And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart, if we do not faint, if we faint not as the King James, which is, is uh, uh, means to become uh, uh, weary or weak or utterly spiritless and exhausted. 
And we're going to gain this through this because this ministry that he's talking about, and I'm trying to, to gather my thoughts here and find where we're at. So he says in 4.1, and, and, and we'll just keep moving. I want to go back, but I'm not going to go back. But it's the ministry, you know, the law was the ministry of death, but the gospel's the ministry of life. The law told us about death. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. But we're going to start right here in 4.1. I don't want to go completely back, because if we keep going back, we'll end up in 1 Corinthians, okay? And that's a total different letter written at a totally different time. So let's just stick with, therefore, because see, when you have that therefore, you need to go back, right? He's talking about the ministry of the gospel of Christ, Okay? It's the ministry that the Spirit leads you in. Um, get the tapes when I did the whole book. Therefore, since we have this ministry, and of course ministry is attendance as a service or as a servant, or it's an office also. It could just say this office. Because we're called to an office of ministry. But we're privileged uh, to be ministering in life. To share the good news of Jesus Christ coming. To bring life to all those that were born dead. Many people don't understand that. That we're born dead. And then Christ brings us life. And then what do we do? We choose to die again spiritually. And that's what this text is going to reveal to us of what they're doing. They're dying so that others can have life. And that's what a true saint that's led by the Spirit will do. They die in the outward man, even though the inward man's being renewed. But as they die, they're giving themselves away so that others have this service and they're attending to their needs so that they will come to life. So if you're alive, you die. You have the administration of dying and it's pretty interesting to be like Christ in that sense so since we have received this ministry this is the kind of ministry that it is it's a privilege to minister the gospel of Christ I'm trying to find my notes okay I don't want to I had a couple things I really want to make sure I mention um, as we, now notice anytime you have we, it's, it's, it's all of us together. Those that are doing the ministry. You are, is your identity. We is also our identity together as a body. Have received mercy. We do not lose heart. We're not fainting. We're not growing weary. Uh, mercy is um, not getting what you deserve. That's a layman's way. When you deserve death, and you don't get death. You've, you've received something you don't deserve. Grace, um, grace is getting what you don't deserve. We've been given grace. We're saved by grace through faith. And that's not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So grace is getting what you don't deserve. But mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And injustice is getting exactly what you deserve. So those three work together. Grace, mercy, and justice. We can receive by grace free gift that we don't deserve. 
and we don't receive the death that we do deserve, so we get God's mercy. In fact, the scripture says that we're literally saved by mercy. I mean, when you look at Titus 3, 5, and 6, uh, because of the, wait a minute, Titus 3, 5, and 6. My brain went dead. I quoted the scripture, and then I don't know it. What is it? Um, because of the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Nope, that's Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Anybody know uh, Titus 3, 5, and 6? Once I see it, I'll know it. T's are all together. They're in alphabetical order. Right before Philemon. My goodness. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Right? And then you go over to Ephesians, and because of his mercy, he gives us grace. And we're saved by faith grace through faith and that not of ourselves it is a gift of god not of works lest any man should boast but we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works that we should walk in them hmm. i started to quote lamentations 3 22 and 23 because of the lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fell not they are new every morning great is thy faithfulness and everything is about god's faithfulness his faithfulness to, to keep his promises. He promised a Savior, and he, and he pre presented one. He brings one to us, but we have a choice whether we want to believe God or not. And some people say, I believe God. You know, I had a lady today tell me she believes God, but she doesn't like God. Because he has the ability to stop all this stuff, and he won't stop it. And I said, well... You should read your Bible because you'll believe God and then love God because you'll see what God is doing. I'm not reading my Bible. So that's the problem. Herein lies the problem. You have to have the Word of God. And you can't really believe God unless you believe the Word of God. You know, if you, if you have a problem with in the beginning God, you have a problem with God. I mean, that's, that's what Genesis is, in the beginning. If you don't believe that, you have a problem with God. And you can say all day long you're religious, all day long you believe in God, all day long you love God, and if you got a problem within the beginning, you got a problem with God. And if you know God and see how He loves us, there's no way you'd have a problem with Him. So I pleaded with her, and her husband smiled. And she said, well, you're, he's just smiling because he agrees with you. I said, no, he's smiling because he's hearing truth. That's why it's not because he agrees with me. He agrees with God. You have to agree with God to go with God. So she bowed out then and said, I'm done with the conversation. But she came back in. We had fun. We have fun every day uh, sharing the gospel. I just think they're going to start uh, not allowing it soon. So be awake for that. So here is the ministry that we have. And we've received mercy and we should not lose heart. Listen, if God gave us mercy in the beginning of this ministry, if God gave us mercy and grace to know that we were lost and he opened our eyes and to see that all of us are confined, none righteous, no, not one, why would we lose heart? Because he's a faithful God who will complete the work he started in us until the day of Christ Jesus. So there's no reason to lose heart. But see, people lose heart. They faint. They see the suffering and the pain and the heartache. They see things that are the outward, and they don't understand the heavenly inward perspective that it's about the spiritual realm, not the physical. 
This physical is about a little blurb on a timeline of eternity. And it's just such a tiny thing. But since we are temporal and God has put us down here, we have this thing where we just get so attached to these earthly things that we hang on to them and we make all of our decisions based on earthly, temporal things instead of heavenly, spiritual things. And if we believe in Jesus... His spirit comes and lives in us. His seed gets planted in our heart. And the fruit that comes out of that is Christ-likeness. Just like when two people have a baby. And, and the baby comes out and it's like both of them. And they sit and argue about which one it looks more like. And that's what happens when two people get married and they have intimacy and the seed is planted in them. It's what happened with Mary and Joseph. And Joseph wasn't involved. Mary and the, the Holy Spirit. And there became a Christ child. The image of the living God come out of her womb as the Savior. And when we believe, that self-same spirit plants a seed in our heart and our spirit married together to bear fruit. And it's impossible to be saved and not become like Christ. Unless, of course, and I believe people do, they quench, they grieve, they insult, they lie to the Holy Spirit, and they resist the work of the Holy Spirit instead of surrendering. And they faint. They begin to blame God. They listen to the lies of the devil, and they don't understand that they've received mercy and that God is so much for us, and that he loves us, and he's trying to transform us, and we fight with him over those things that are going on. So since we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. There's no reason to lose heart. He's faithful. Everything that he said will come to pass. He's going to get us across the finish line. But what we want to do is make sure that we put ourselves to the test, that we try ourselves. We put ourselves on trial to see if we're even in the faith. I've had people get mad at me for saying that. I said, I'm quoting the Bible. I'm quoting what Paul has said. Because you don't want to know after your heart quits beating. After this physical outward man completely perishes, you don't want to find out that the inward man was never being renewed. It was only religion. This is, I mean, I'm emphatic about this. All of us need to know this and understand this, comprehend this. It should not harm anybody with the Spirit of God to be challenged about their faith. It, I mean, if you challenge me about carpet cleaning, I'm going to get in your face because I know how to clean carpet. If you challenge me about Jesus, I'm going to contend for a while, but I'm going to stop arguing because if the Spirit of God is not in you receiving it, why would I keep casting my pearls before swine? I mean, it's just that simple. God says the Lord's bond person is not quarrelsome. But since I've received mercy, I want to be a vessel of mercy, and I want to give you every opportunity to receive. But see, the problem is not the proclamation of the gospel. I believe there's false teachers, there's liars. Everybody's got 10 of these Bibles in their home. The problem is not the proclamation. The word, the word has went throughout, everywhere. The problem is the hard heart that receives it. The problem is the ground that it falls on. Do not harden your heart as in the day of rebellion like they did in the wilderness and all of them fell dead except for the ones at 20 and under in Caleb and Joshua. They fell dead. They didn't mix it with, with, with faith and believe God that he was able to complete the promises. 
See, and we need to be encouraged about this. This is what Paul's trying to do. He's trying to encourage people that are being lied to in the church at Corinth by false teachers, by Judaizers, number one, that are saying Paul's not even a real apostle. That Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. You need to do this over here. And he's trying to encourage them and say, because I'm dying, because I'm one that comes to you and I'm meek in person, but my words are strong, then you say that I'm the false teacher? They're just after you to devour you. They want to preach to your flesh. We have it all over again. The same thing is going on in the church today. And so people harden their hearts and they think they're okay and they're not being challenged by the gospel. They're not allowing God to continue the work and they resist the work of the Holy Spirit. And they want to believe the fleshly lie that all I had to do was approach the throne once. It's just not true. I know lots of people that are married but they're not really married, okay? The two did not become one. They did all of the steps, but there's no dying. There's no, there's no leadership. There's no death. There's no God holding them together. There's separate lives. Many people have separate bank accounts, take separate vacations. It's a marriage of convenience. Many times when I'm at these retirement homes, that's what they do. They lose their first spouse, and for convenience with insurance and everything, they marry again. See, our first spouse was the law that led us to, the, the, to death, ministered death to us and said, you're, you're going to die. The wages of sin is death. And then Jesus comes and says, here's life and more abundantly. And all you have to do is believe it because you had no ability. The only, the only way you can under the law be saved is keep the law perfectly. And we are law breakers. We're born with a nature that just breaks the law of God. So, mercy. Have you received mercy? The mercy of God? Because of his faithfulness? And look what he says in verse 2, 4, 2. I'm going to try to move quickly. This is a lot of text. I'm like, this is crazy. What did I get myself into again on a Bible study night? Well, you should start First Chronicles. <laughs> I was thinking about it today. I go, oh, I should start First Chronicles. Oh, this is October. By the time I get started, we'll be finishing up and going for the holidays. And Oh, my goodness. So anyway, here we go. Two. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, what's he saying? He is actually like a prosecutor pointing at the Judaizers and the false teachers at the same time saying, we're not doing this. But that's what they're doing. They're the ones that are, the false teachers uh, have not renounced the hidden things. They're doing whatever they want. They're the ones walking in craftiness. They're, they're handling the word of God deceitfully and twisting it to, in order to control the people. And, and there's no manifestation of truth. And it's not for a person's conscience. But let me explain that to you as we go through this renounced uh, means to disown to say off for oneself so they have renounced the hidden things of shame they've confessed their sin they're asking the Holy Spirit allowing the Holy Spirit to change them um, 
They declare, they declare or forbid these things, the hidden things of shame. They're not craftiness, which is trickery. It's sophistry. It's cunningness. It's subtlety. It's actually false wisdom. Listen, all those words remind me of the devil, the serpent. You know, subtlety and cunningness and trickery. And, and, this, and this earthly, central, demonic wisdom that they're using. Um... But Paul said, we're not doing that. We're not peripateoing. We're not walking about on our general walk in this craftiness. We're coming to you with Christ crucified, the simplicity of the gospel. We're not trying to make up stuff. And, and the Judaizers, see, they're making up all these things you need to do and, and, and saying you've got to keep the Jewish law. You've got to be circumcised. And Paul is, is, is not right. There's the Gnostics that were going around saying you have to have this special knowledge and all of these people, see, and see, our flesh will receive that because we don't want just a free gift. We want to do something. We are, we, we are geared in a way in our sin nature that we feel like we have to do something in order to earn it. But you can't earn it. You can't earn it. Although we would have done exactly what Adam and Eve did if given the chance, and you can prove that by your daily walk every day and you still sin against God. But we, we, we didn't earn that sin nature, but we were born with it so that we could make a decision to choose a perfect nature to come and live in us so that we can be conformed into the image by choice out of love because he first loved us. When we see that love, that's what changes our lives. It's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance, not craftiness, not deceitfulness, not, not, not threatening somebody with fear or terror or, 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 or hell. Yes, those things are true in the gospel, but it's the goodness of God to see that somebody who, who had everything and couldn't do nothing for him laid down his life for those who couldn't help themselves. The goodness of God brings men to go, you know what, that's love right there. Nobody's ever laid their life down like that for me. Nobody's ever given themselves away. Nobody's ever come and said, whoa, 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 you better be cool. You're going to, you know, people are in it for themselves. But God had everything and came and condescended. He died. He came down. <clears throat> so these false teachers, these false churches, these false antichrists, synagogues of Satan, they're, 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 what they're doing is with craftiness and they're trying to manipulate people instead of the love of God. And they handle the word of God deceitfully. Um, deceitfully and handling is the same word. Handle or deceitfully uh, is the same word. It means to, it, it's uh, de la u. It means to ensnare, ensnare or adulterate, to corrupt. This is the only place the word is ever using. But think about it. It goes right with the craftiness. It all sounds like the devil because they are the devil's pulpit. It's the devil's Word. It's the devil that's the spirit behind them to come in and lie to you. But how are they presenting it? With the manifestation, but by manifestation of the truth. And, and really, manifestation is exhibition or expression. Uh, it's from a word that means to render apparent or declare truth. Just truth. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're, 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 they're declaring truth. And then what? Commending. 
commending uh, ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. God's watching them. Everything that's going on is right before God. And they're commending themselves. And it means this is what commending means, to place together. It means to bind together. To introduce favorably or to exhibit. It's like, here's the, here's the trophy of grace. Here's exhibit A. We're commending ourselves to you. You've seen us. No matter what those people are saying, we were right there with you. We shared the gospel to you. You believe because we shared it first, and we're commending ourselves to your conscience, which is co-perception. It's how you perceive things. It's your co-perception with God. I thought I wrote that down. What verse am I on? Two still, right? Yeah. I don't even have the co-perception on there. Uh, conscience. I thought I did. Are you kidding me? So, they are privileged. It means co-perception. Um, in the sight of God. And they're always, God is my witness. God is my witness. We're doing this in the sight of God. And, and one day, oh, there it is, co-perception. Um, Moral consciousness, and it literally means joint knowledge. The two know the same knowledge. That's how we come to salvation is our conscience. God speaks to it. His Holy Spirit is still speaking to it, and he convicts us, and then we come to the same knowledge of truth that he already knows because he is truth. The two agree as one. And it's a series of that. You continue to learn the truth. Well, how do you learn it? You learn it by the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the fellowship with others. And we together are counseling one another. And then as we hear truth, our conscience agrees with it. And we say no to the outward man, yes to God. And he changes who we are on the inside. But even if our gospel is veiled, now the word is not veiled in the King James uh, it's hid. Um, it's interesting. When you're dealing with salvation or you're dealing with this wedding, there is a veil. Remember the veil of the temple is rent and it's torn in two so that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy to find grace to help in time of need. But what happens? if it, I, I heard this the other day. When a veil is over the face of the bride, when do they take it down? You may kiss the bride and they take the veil down and you can kiss to seal the ceremony. And the two kiss, right? And they remove the veil. So I didn't like the word veil in this text. I like the word hid. It's better because um, he says, even if our gospel is hid, uh, New King James says veil. He's hid and it means uh, to cover up or to hide. Even if our gospel is hid, it is hid to those who are perishing. Listen, when we can't see the word of God, it's because we're doing something to hinder the spirit of God. Because the spirit of God is here to teach us the word of God. And the spirit of God is here to uh, adorn us as the bride of Christ. And, and, and the spirit of God is given as the down payment or the dowry money to prepare us to, so that it seals us until the purchased possession. So we need to ask God, why can I not see what you're saying to me in the word of God? 
What am I doing to hinder the Spirit of God's work in my life? Now listen, you have, you have to be careful because not everybody's called to the same work. We all have differing gifts. We, but are we concerned about the Spirit of God's operation in our life? Are we concerned about the Spirit of God teaching us and sealing us and using us? Are we concerned about dying to self and being alive to do what the Spirit of God wants to do? These are some of the evidences. There's, I mean, my foot, you never see my foot because I got my socks on. So it's hid, but it's still there, and it walks me here. It gets me here every place that I'm going. So some parts of the body of Christ, you never see what they're doing, but they're involved in the body. You know, my organs, I find my organs aren't working. The blood's flowing through them. These are things that are hidden of the body, but they're still part of the body, and they're necessary. We'll talk more, more about that maybe in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But I just want you to understand that not everybody does the same thing, but we should all be listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to use us because of the mercy that we've received. But many people don't even care about being used to bring others to salvation when that's what it's all about, is dying to who we are and being brought into the image of Christ by the Holy Spirit. I'll try to get to that in a little bit more here in a minute. So it, it, when, when it's hidden, it's hidden from those who are dying, they're lost, whose minds, notice it's the mind, the God of this age, the devil, has blinded. He's blinded them. Uh, means to obscure or to blunt the mental discernment. To darken the mind, where the mind is not understanding and seeing the light of the gospel of Christ, which is what he's getting ready to talk about. So he hides it, and it's hidden to those that are dying or lost or perishing, who is not allowing the Holy Spirit, verse 4, whose minds the God of this age has blinded and darkened, who do not believe. Listen. Many people who say they believe are not trusting Christ for salvation. Think of all the tribes that went into the wilderness. They came out of Egypt. They, they were following Moses. They were going to the promised land. But they did not mix their faith with what they heard. They heard the gospel. They heard the good news. They heard the promise of God providing but they didn't believe, which is to entrust your spiritual well-being into something. In this case, the promise of God, New Testament case, the, the, the person of Jesus Christ, because we know his name now. So we have to trust him and then obey him. You can say, I believe God and I trust his word and then read his word and disobey it. That's a sin. Okay, But if you continue to disobey it or you say, I'm not going to believe what his word says... That's not a sin. That's, that's borderline apostasy and deception and blindness. And, and, and we need to understand that. And, you know, Even when you're dealing with the word blind, the blindness has happened in part to the nation of Israel until you and I, the Gentiles, get saved. God allowed that to happen in his sovereignty. So understand, God's in control of all things. And, and why, why, why are they blinded and they do not believe? Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, he's the icon of God. In other words, if you click on Christ, you see God. He tells us he's the Father. 
John 14, 6. He tells us he's the spirit. He tells us he's the son. Listen, you click on him and he's God, very God. The spirit's God, very God. The, the, the father's God should shine on them. See, when we believe, the spirit shines on us. The glory of God shines on us. Christ shines on us. That seed is planted in your heart, and now you can be conformed into the image of God with him and become like him if you surrender. We have to surrender. And we all do it in different stages, different ways, and different places, but we must be surrendering and always on the grow. Five, for we do not preach ourselves. Let me read that again. Five, for we do not preach ourselves. See, the false teachers, the Judaizers, false pe people, they, they always want to, it, it's about them. They're preaching themselves. They're preaching their church denomination. They're preaching things that has nothing to do with salvation. Well, my preacher believes, well, you know, your preacher needs to teach you better because if you're pointing at your preacher, you're pointing in the wrong direction. It doesn't matter what your preacher believes. What does the Bible say? What did Jesus say? You know, and so look at this, verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves. You know how many people are preaching themselves? So many people in the gospel are preaching themselves. This is our philosophy of ministry. This is our this. This is our that. And they come up with these rules. This is our dress code. This is what our bylaws say. Really? You guys write some new ones? I hope they line up with what the Bible says. This is how we do church membership. Really, show it to me in the Bible. I'm serious. There's just so many things in our culture entity that have nothing to do with the Bible and man wants to take it and change it and make it where they can put their hands on it and they can change everything to fit what feels good in their flesh instead of being still and just preaching Christ crucified. And we're raised up in this culture and sometimes we get raised up in it and we're told by the teachers of it that we need to do the same thing and we begin to do the same thing. But if you begin to read your Bible and let the Spirit of God teach you, they're leading you into apostasy, most of them. Just like the nation of Israel, they were all led into apostasy. Just like the ten witnesses that come back out of the promised land and they led all those people into apostasy. And they wouldn't listen to Caleb and Joshua, the only two true witnesses. They wouldn't listen to them. But you have ten other witnesses and they followed the majority and the majority was going to death, remember? Broad is the way to destruction and many find it, but narrow is the door and few enter in by it. We have to wake up to what the Bible teaches. I had somebody tell me that uh, Joe Olstein must be doing something right, looking and filling up that, that, that building. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's not even biblical. That's upside downward. Why would you think that something to do with numbers is godly? It's not one of the measuring sticks. It's not one of the evidences. It's not the work of the Spirit. We're never going to get to this verse. We'll be here till Tuesday. If you guys are uh, having breakfast, we have donuts. <laughs> Sorry. I know it's Friday night. It's late. Uh, where are we at? For we do not preach ourselves. Listen, what's your church preaching? What are people preaching? What are you sharing with people? Are you showing your strength and yourselves and your abilities? 
Do people see you or do they see Christ? These are things that are happening as we're dying. Now, they might see a lot of you today, but in the future, they need to be seeing more Christ, not myself, not me, 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 not I, I, I. That's the original statement of the devil. He said, I will ascend. I, I, I will become like the Most High God. We have to be very careful and watch our language. In the Greek, I is ego, ease God out. Whenever you're talking about self, you're easing God out is the acrostic there. So be very careful. See, but we're learning, we're growing, we're going. And we're allowing to, we're, we're learning to surrender ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to use us because in our weakness, he is stronger. What do they preach? For we do not preach ourselves, but, it's the word Allah, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Now notice, again, I tell you this almost every time, Christ is first because he was the Mashiach. Jesus was just his fleshly name, which means the Lord is salvation, but the anointed of God who brings salvation, and he was the Lord, which is kurios, supreme in authority. And ourselves, your bondservants. So see, if they do anything about self, it's your bondservants. King James just says, your servants, for Jesus' sake. Why are we servants? Because of Jesus. It's the only proper way. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. That's the reason he came. He already had everything in heaven. Why would he come down unless he was coming to gain? And the only way to gain was to condescend and to die and become the lowest servant in the house so that people would see the goodness of God and come to repentance. For it is the God, verse 6, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. That's Genesis, right? Let there be light. Remember God said that? Let there be light. It is that God that we're talking about, in case somebody's confused, the one that commanded, he spoke, and created the heavens and the earth, who has shown in our hearts that God spoke into our hearts and said, you're a sinner, you need a Savior, there's none righteous, and Jesus the Christ is the only one. The voice of God shone his light into our hearts and exposed the darkness of our sin. Why did he do it? To give the light of the knowledge. Gnosis. It's not gnoskos. It's gnosis of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Remember Moses in the cleft of the rock. I'll hide you here. You can only see my Shekinah glory. You can only see my backside. You cannot see my face or you will die. Now God shines and shows his face. And that's why you and I, when we're in the scriptures, we want to find Jesus. We want to find the Christ. We want to see him because when the man of God looks into the word of God and sees the son of God, he's transformed by the spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. That's salvation. We are looking for Jesus so that our outer man can die and our inward man can be renewed day by day. This body's supposed to wear out. We're looking for Jesus. He's the plumb line. The, the, the people around us is not the plumb line. You can tell a tree by its fruit, but Jesus himself is the plumb line. And what did he do? He died. 
He chose to freely die. And when we choose to freely die in the spiritual realm, in our actions, in our words, in our voice, in our position, in our place, even if we have the power to be the boss, when we choose to die, we become more like God than in any other time. Because we want to present to their conscience a character that is not worldly and outwardly, but it is godly from the spirit so that they will come to salvation. So therefore, we become wise as serpent and gentle as doves. But you can only do it by the Spirit of God, by the manifestation of the Spirit working in your life. It has to be the Holy Spirit. It has to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Follow through the book of Acts and read it carefully. There's a lot of words used in there that don't belong there if there's not a feeling of the Holy Spirit that comes when you decide you want to die and love and serve and lay your life down. I, I love going through those texts. I've got them all written down in Acts 1.8 there where it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said... If Peter just said because he was a Christian, then there was no reason to even mention filled with the Holy Spirit. But you always want to point back to why. What was your motivation? Was you preaching yourself or was you declaring the kingdom of God with the manifestation of the Spirit and the power of God? Has Christ shown into your heart? The knowledge, I was looking for gnosis, right? Verse 6. Gnosis, it's a knowing, it's the act of knowing. It's actually translated science once it's the knowledge because god is the original scientist he's the original creation he invented the laboratory he's the one that spoke in the darkness spoke light so that they could see in their laboratories but then they just take over and and uh, as voltaire i think was an earthly philosopher he said god created man in his image and they quickly repaid the favor so then we turn god into what we think he should look like what we think he should do, how he should be treating us. It's nonsense. It's called religion. False religion. So in, in, the, in, the, in the act of knowing, when that light shines in, you know. When you come alive, you know it because of the Spirit of God and the light of God that's in your darkness. Remember, who was it? Uh, was it Peter? In the boat and he said go away from me Lord I'm an evil man remember he's in the boat and Jesus is in the boat with him and they're fishing and they bring in that big net when he comes and calls them the second time and they bring in this great catch of fish and he says go away from me Lord I am an evil man as soon as he's seen the light he's seen them listen they were fishing out and they've been fishing all night and they didn't catch nothing and Jesus says, just put out your boats and cast them in. It's like, oh, come on, dude. We've been out all night. And you got to understand, they fished at night because their nets were so bulky that the fish would swim away from their nets in the daytime. And he told them to put them down, and they put down their nets, and they had to call their friends over to help get the catch because the net was going to rip, and it was in the daytime, and they never fished in the daytime like that. So that's when he said, be away from me, Lord. I am an evil man. And he's seen when that light shone in his darkness. And he confessed it. He agreed with God. He repented. His heart instantly changed, just like the man on the cross. 
instant change of heart. See, sometimes we are in the church and we have an instant change of heart, but then as we grow up and we go, oh, I figured this Christian thing out now. I just, I just do what I want and then I just confess it. I just do what I want and I say what I want and then later I'll just go, all right, Lord, you know I lied, but I'm sorry. And we get to playing games with God where I, I can sin and just and then later. And it's a very, very serious, ugly game that can, can harden your heart and then the word of God will not re be received in there. And the spirit of God gets quenched and you're sitting there going, well, I know I'm saved, but. And we begin to practice transgression again and make ourselves a, a, a transgressor of the law again and put ourselves back in bondage. We just read this if you guys are reading with us. I'm not talking about made up stuff here. I'm talking about scripture exactly. And if we read through the Bible together, see some of this stuff makes more sense as we read through it together. That's why we're supposed to be doing it. Anyway, I digress. Where are we at? Verse 7. Uh, oh, the, 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 the act of knowing um, is in the face of Jesus Christ. And face is always talking about favor. God put his favor upon him, his anointing upon him. But we have this, now listen, this is really good here. I'd like to spend a whole lot of weeks on this, but we'll have to do it some other time. But we have this treasure. What treasure? The gnosis. The knowledge about who Jesus is and how he's shown in our darkness. This ministry, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Clay pots. Terracotta is what it, it actually means, terracotta. See this shirt? This is terracotta. <clears throat> a little brighter, but it's terracotta. Clay pots. What do you mean, Greg? Remember, we're made out of dirt. We're made out of clay, right? In the garden, and God breathed into clay, and Adam became a living being. Well, what happened? Then? Well, in the New Testament, what happens? He put his seed in the soil of our clay, our clay pots. When he's shown his light in there and we believe that seed of the Holy Spirit went into these clay pots, these earthen vessels, and they began to grow. Remember the clay pots? What, the, what do we need else? Remember the clay pots at the wedding that is, uh, 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 of Canaan, of Galilee? And they had them clay pots sitting there and they were empty vessels. But what did they do? They poured the water in, the Holy Spirit in. So the Holy Spirit has to go in with the seed. They both agree together, and then the light turns on. And we see Jesus, and he conforms us into his image because our minds are renewed. And we begin to say, you know what? I've been lied to all my life, and I've never been loved like this. Who can love me like my Jesus? This is amazing that he knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I've done, and he still died for me. I'm done with them. I'm through with them people. Think about how many times you've said that in your life. You've been done with somebody. Never be done with people. People are not castaways. They're not throwaways. God can be done with them because he knows they're confirmed. But we shouldn't be done with people. In the least, if they're your enemies, keep praying for them. But don't be done with them. Don't be done with them. And, you, and I know somebody else will preach to you and go, well, if God says be done with them. Be very careful with a hard heart that says, well, God told me to quit praying for them. Be very careful because you could be the God that told you to quit praying for them. 
Because as long as they're breathing, they're savable. As long as they're breathing, they're savable. I'm not telling you not to make boundaries. I'm not telling you you have to sleep with them or, or sit in the same chair with them. But be very careful about writing people off. Pray for them. Because somebody might have wrote you off at one time, and now you're believing. Light's shown in your heart. You're an earthen vessel with this gnosis in you. You have the knowledge of the life of, of God, and that Jesus is God himself. How can, and that mercy we've received, and, and then we go, ah, no big deal. That's why I'm so against this, this altar call stuff. And then people think they're okay and they become complacent. And I'm safe. I don't care about anybody else. Now I'm going to get what I can get. I got a t-shirt that says, I read my Bible and I'm okay. It's some type of church culture that has nothing to do with dying. Yet our, our Savior died and gave us an example of how we should live. And boy, I'm preaching really good. I'm not great at dying either. I'm a man. I'll throw some wood on the fire. Let's talk about it. We'll keep an argument going instead of dying. I'm the first that I'll admit to it, but that doesn't mean that I'm right. Well, I'm right about me not dying, but I'm not right about the need that we should be having to die. This treasure that we have is in earthen vessels. Why? Because clay pots break. Clay pots are weak. And, and what does he say? It's in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. See, God's the one supposed to be noticed. Oh, you're just a clay. You got clay feet. Your feet will break. You're going to mess up. Men will always blow it. Men are always going to fall short for you. But God never. And we want people to see the power of God, not the power of Greg. We want people to see the power of God. I used to stand up and preach, and God told me to sit down, so I sat down. Some people go, well, that's stupid. You should be walking around. I like the zeal. Some people say, well, you should be able to. Well, you know what? God told me to sit down. I don't care what you said. I feel like standing up. Yeah, but I'm dying. I like being up moving around. It looks more dynamic. But see, the power has to be of God. I just have this message in an earthen vessel. I'm a clay pot. My weakness is what you need to see. God tells me to play music and sing in front of you. I am not in any way, in any way, uh, confused about how I sing and play. I am not in any way. Believe me. But I'm going to worship the Lord, and I don't care if you don't want to yell with me, don't yell with me. I'm going to make a joyful noise to the Lord. And I don't care what man thinks. And I don't care what great musician thinks. Well, you don't play it like that. Well, we just did. Sing along. I'm not being haughty. I'm not being proud. I don't know why he makes me get up here and do this. Every praise leader I've ever had's left. Drives me crazy. I would like to have a good praise leader, but you know what? It looks too much like culturality, I think. I'm not picking on anybody that can play the guitar and sing on key. But know your role. That was seven. Did you see that? Six gets saved, moves to seven if you're dying. You understand where the power comes from. 
and then you have eight. This is how he completes us. This is the new beginning if you believe in Jesus. Listen to me. This is a new beginning if you believe in Jesus. You didn't understand the pain and the suffering and the heartache before. But look what happens in the new beginning. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. New beginning. There's going to become some suffering, some pain, some attacks, some, some uh, where is it at? Uh, hard-pressed is troubled King James. It means to crowd, to afflict, to narrow, to cause tribulation and trouble in your life. But we're not crushed. We're not distressed, King James. To him in closely, to cramp, to be in straits. Remember dire straits? That's what it means to be in dire straits. See, they're cramped. There's a lot of stuff going on. We're hard-pressed on every side. But guess what? We're not crushed because God's got us. He's protecting us. Our pots are not broken. Might be some cracks in it so the Holy Spirit can get out. But they're not broken. They're not, they're not going to fall apart perplexed but not in despair look at these perplexed means to have no way out to be at a loss or doubt sometimes there's a perplexing you ever go through stuff and you go how am i going to get out of this where's this going to go how does this happen how can we get through this god right you just got to wait perplexed but not despair and that means to be a, utterly at a loss, despondent, to remove all hope or renounce all hope. That's despair. Listen, you always got to remember that we've obtained mercy. And it's not about us. It's about Christ crucified. That he's put his light and shined in our darkness. He's always the hope of glory. He's the anchor of your soul. No matter what, if you can't see a way out, you know there's a way out. Because he's always there. And he's for you, not against you. He came to save you. He gave you mercy. He's not going to leave you. Look what I did to them. I just took them halfway out and I left them in the middle of that chaos. No, he's coming soon to get us. He's a faithful God. Even when we're faithless, he cannot deny himself. Nine. Is that right? Persecuted but not forsaken. To persecuted means to flee or to be pursued, to give and to suffer, but not forsaken. Remember, I will not leave you nor forsake you, Hebrews 13, 5. He's promised he will not leave us nor forsake us. He's promised he'll be with us always. But we can still be persecuted. We can be chased. They can pursue us. We can suffer. But he'll never desert us or leave us. Struck down but not destroyed. I said that a lot in the last six months. Tomorrow's six months since my wife went to be with Jesus. And I've said I'm struck down but I'm not destroyed. It means to be cast down. Oh my soul. To throw down. To lay prostrate before the Lord. That's what it means. You're on your face. But not destroyed. To destroy fully, to die, to perish. No. No, God knows. God knows everything we're going to. Do we trust him? That's the question. Are we going to continue to trust him? Cast down but not destroyed. Why? Ten. Why? Why? Because we're always, that means at all times, 
Listen, this is a testimony. This is your mindset. This is your eternal perspective. Not the physical fainting. Not the physical weariness. Not the physical, I'm exhausted. I can't do anymore. I'm just going to give up on this. I want to chase my flesh and die. No, that's not what we're talking about. Always carrying about or bearing. Think about it. It's fruit. He's the first fruits from the grave. We're carrying his fruit. We're bearing his fruit. Because we're married to him. About in the body, this is our outward man, the dying, the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. We're always bearing about. It actually means this. It means to carry around. But listen, I wrote this down. To transport hither and thither. I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> to transport hither and thither. You ever tither something? I don't even know what that means. I was laughing about it, so I wrote it down for you guys to giggle about. Yeah, to transport hither and thither. What are you guys doing? Oh, we're going hither and thither. <laughs> we're transporting hither and thither, and it's actually one of the usages, yes. It, 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 it's a lot. If you wish to go into the usages of some of this stuff, it takes you back to the demonic. It takes you back to those that have been tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Instead of standing, instead of bearing the crucifixion and carrying. It's all, it all makes sense when you go through it, but I'm just saying, hither and thither. I just don't even know. We don't use these words. But always carrying around. Why? Because of Christ. We're carrying around. Carrying about the body of the dying. We're reminding people of resurrection too. Of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus, why are, we, why are we carrying it about? Why are we going hither and thither? Why are we talking about the crucifixion and about the death? Listen, because that the life of Jesus also may be manifested to render apparent, to declared, to make visible and known in our body. Well, how are they going to know it if we're walking around puffed up in our own knowledge? Puffed up in our own strength. Puffed up in our own power. We go to such and such church. We're puffed up in everything except for Christ crucified. How are they going to know and see the manifestation of the Spirit's power if we're walking about in everything else other than Christ crucified? 11. This is a very powerful statement. Read this. For we who live. Listen. We who live. What do you mean? living the life for Christ. We're alive. Everybody else is dead, remember? Remember, they're dead. They're born dead. Only when the light shines in their heart do they live. We who live are always, that means at all times, delivered, yielded up, committed, put in prison, just like John the Baptist's first usage uh, means to surrender. That's what this word means. Are always surrendered to the death for Jesus' sake. Why, Greg? That the life of Jesus also may be declared, made known out loud in our physical bodies, our mortal flesh, so that they will see it when Christ crucified is proclaimed. So we're surrendering, we're yielding up. If we're alive, we're dying to self so that they can see the nature of Christ who came with all power and died and was crucified and rose again. So they see the same life. 
So then, conclusion, look at this, 12. So then, death is working, means to be active, efficient, effectual, and in operation in us, but life in you. What? So as we die, we're bringing the life of Christ to others. And they can see it manifested because that light shone into us. And Gnosis, we're married to him. We start dying to self, choosing to die daily. I die daily, Paul would say. Why? So that others can come to life and see Christ. That's the only way his, if we die, that's the only way his fruit's going to grow. The weeds have got to go. It's easy to grow weeds. It's easy to walk around in religion. It's easy to say I'm saved, but how hard is it to die? See, Jesus could have came and just go, I'm the Savior. There's one doing it now. I'm the Savior. But he ain't dying. He's got his plans. He wants you to die. Wake up. Our true Savior came and died for us. He let give us an example. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's his conclusion. When we get all the way to the end of five, it becomes one of his conclusions. We don't regard anybody as flesh and blood. One of his conclusions, because we know it's a spiritual life, and the outward man is perishing, but the, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. It's the spiritual man that's important. Because that's what's going to live for eternity. And if the spiritual man isn't being renewed day by day, it's going to live in eternity someplace else other than heaven. And that's all the devil's trying to do is deceive us into continuing to live for self instead of live for Christ. And that's Paul's point here in all of this. That So then death is working in us, but life in you. So if you want... God's effectual work to go on in you, you have to die. Die to your opinions. Die to your beliefs. Die to your ways. Repent. Metanoia. Change your mind. And you don't want to live in death no more. You don't want to be thorny ground with rocks all in it. You want to have your stuff cleaned up so the seed is planted in there and it grows fruit some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And so that the next time you hear it, you don't want to be it falling on stony ground that has no roots and a couple months later you're running off and doing whatever you want to do over and over and over again to where you go I don't even know if I'm saved sometimes I feel like it sometimes I don't the enemy doesn't you don't know your identity you don't know your gifts you don't know your talents you don't know your abilities you don't know your calling he says make your calling an election sure Listen, God's not confusing. That's the devil that's confusing. God is clear and concise and exact in the light that he gives us if we'll quit living for ourselves. Don't give up. Don't faint. There's a privilege in knowing Christ and then a privilege of having that knowledge in these earthen vessels and going out and ministering and giving the gospel to others, that's a privilege. 13, let's get this finished up. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, Pistio, trusted, I believed that Christ was the Messiah, and therefore I spoke. Oh, they go together? 
God. If you believe, you'll speak. We also believe and therefore speak. Paul couldn't shut up. Jeremiah couldn't shut up. You can't shut up. It's a fire in your bosom when you know the truth. When you know the truth and somebody's lying, how can you shut up? I can't shut up. I talked to a customer today and I'm like, so I'm going to get so fired, but you know what? Uh, no. It's just the truth. I mean, I'm just telling you the truth. Well, you think, and I said, doesn't matter what I think. What does God say? Doesn't matter what I think. It's not about me. It's about you and God. So you have to get that right. People want to put you on there and start arguing with you, and they want to talk about what you think and what you believe. No, 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 no. What did God say? That's what's important. Isn't that what the devil tricked even to thinking something different? Did God really say? You better find out what God said. He's recorded it. Amazing stuff, what the Bible teaches us if we just look. It would just read it. You know what? Don't. Who, which doctor graduated class and never read the medical books? And then, then he goes and does surgery, but he doesn't follow the order of surgery. I mean, there's not one profession whatsoever that you see out there that there's not a, a discipleship there, and there's an apprentice there, and there's a teaching of that, and everybody follows a systematic order of things if they want to do things right. Yet everybody thinks you can haphazardly jump into the Word of God and do whatever you want, and you're going to go to heaven. You know, you know, God's a God of order, and I believe in Him, and He showed His light in my eyes, and I'm living for God, and I believe He's so great. But I ain't going to listen to nothing He says and don't care what He believes, and I'm just going to keep living my life, and I'm going to be the best surgeon you've ever seen because I read the medical books. And then I'm going to go straight to hell because I'm not reading the book with the word of God and the revelation of God, and I'm not coming to know him by the spirit of God. It's pretty amazing, isn't it, that we can use that logic in our workplace, but we can't use it in our eternity what matters the most. Just logical. If there's a creator, then there's a plan. And if there's a plan, there's instruction. If there's instruction, there's a perfect way. And guess what? Jesus did it all for us. And positionally, we're fine, but practically, we're, we're, we're fine to learn how to do this. That's another one of his conclusions in a minute. 517. Right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, the old is gone and the new has come. And, and the old way of thinking, the old way of living, the old way of acting, the old way of confusion, all of that is gone. The old way of darkness. And he's put his light and he's wanting to teach us to follow his instruction. And his light becomes a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. His word becomes, I mean, that it shows us which way to go. I better finish this up, hadn't I? It's almost 1230. <laughs> it ain't even 9 o'clock yet. You guys are in big trouble. Oh, we haven't even got to the memory verse yet. We're almost there. Um, what do you believe you'll speak? What do you believe? 
Do you believe you have this knowledge in earth and vessels and that the Spirit of God is your power and your strength and your might and He's sending you out as a minister of this gospel? And you don't have to faint. You don't have to let the problems of this world overweigh you and bring you down and make you give up. You can go out and understand this is God's sovereign plan. Not just to keep you weak, but to, to, to purify you and sanctify you and wash you and cleanse you and strengthen you to where you'll believe Him and trust in Him and wait upon Him. Not upon yourself. 14. Knowing that He who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus coming soon and will present us with you for all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. I like the way that reads in the King James. It reads a whole lot better. Um, raised, raised, first of all, is raised from the dead, but it's raised because that's what he does when he speaks life to us, raises us from the dead. But it means and has the connotation of through the idea of collecting one's faculties. See, we were we were confused. We were we didn't understand. We were searching. And then when you see Christ and he raises you from the dead, you begin to collect your faculties and you go, wait a minute. Now my spirit's married to God, and my mind, will, and emotion, the faculties have been way messed up, but now he can start correcting them. And I can start beating my body in this subjection and making it do what it's supposed to be doing and go where it's supposed to be going by the Spirit of God who's correcting my mind and I'm changing it and I'm learning to walk in the newness of life. I'm learning to peripateo with God daily in the garden and to obey His Word because of His power. Because He put this knowledge in an earthen vessel and He planted His seed in me. And you should be thankful. The Thanksgiving's coming up, isn't it? That's Eucharisto. Eucharistio, what is the word? Uh, Eucharistia. And it's Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving's coming up here real soon. And I like to always remind people, Thanksgiving is not a fruit of the Spirit. You would think it would be, but it's not. Thanksgiving. Look what this is. It means grateful language to God. When you realize that you were dead going to hell and you didn't even know it. And he said, hey, and spoke into your heart. He shone his light into your darkness, just like he did in this dark world. He spoke into your heart. And you should be thankful. We should be thankful. We should be thankful for everything that's going on. Give thanks to God always. You don't have to be thankful for the death, for the other things, but you can be in them and be thanking God, knowing that he's using them because he uses all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. You don't have to be happy about them, but you can be thankful, Lord. I know you got a plan. Thankful, Lord. We got fired from the uh, uh, Autumn Trace. With, I thought very rudely, actually. And uh, even though my flesh was upset, I said, you know what? No, 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 no. If God is moving me, I have no problem with that. But I think it was done in a disrespectful way. Well, you can volunteer to take up if we have some days open or somebody... Met. I said, no thanks. I said, if God is moving me and it appears that he is, then I don't want to be here. And within three days, we get a call to go into the county jail. 
which God opened another door. An effectual door of ministry is opened where we can minister to people in our community. But what happens? Attacks. There's always going to be attacks. There's always going to be arguments. There's always going to be a battle in that. And you have to decide, did God call me to do this? And then you're going to have this. And you might be struck down, but you're not destroyed. Something might happen. And you go, well, God must be not telling me not to do this. No! Stand in your faith. Know yourself. Make your election sure. Know what God's calling you to do. Now, can he close the door? Yeah, we've been at the nursing home for the autumn trades for six years. He closed the door. But he clearly opened the door. There was a lot of people that we ministered to. Where are we at? Oh, in Williamsport. So he says, to cause with grateful language to a God to abound. What to do? It spreads through the many. These attitudes, these actions, these that are coming to their senses and collecting their faculties. Spread means to excel or superabound. Listen, this is funny because I wrote this down. Uh, abounding or superabounding. Abounding is used uh, is used for a flower going from bud to full bloom. It's abounding. I never knew that. I'm not. I, I, I may kill every plant that you put in my house. But it's used when it buds, it's abounding when it sprouts out. And people can see the fruit of it growing. That's a good deal. Therefore, we do not lose heart. What's it there for? We just talked about it. Because God has shown us mercy. God has shown his light into our hearts. God is the one who died, and God wants us to die so that we can impart life to others. Therefore, we do not faint. We do not lose heart. We are not giving up, even though our outward man is decaying, perishing, dying, hurting. Yesterday, I went out, and I said, I'm just sick of this. My feet were killing me, and I just got, I, I hate spending so much money on shoes, but I'm getting old. And I go, oh, this is just driving me crazy, Lord. What am I going to do? I said, I'm just going to go. I'm just, I, and I just went over, and they, and they had $20 off, and I just bought two pairs of shoes. And I put them on, and I'm talking to the Lord. And it's really, it's really, it was really strange. Here's what happened. I, and I go to get some chicken food, and I'm sitting in my truck, and I was doing my words because I've been working overtime, and I don't have time to study. So I'm sitting there studying in a real king parking lot. And, and I, I said, I'll just do about 10 words here, and we'll get some of this done. I'm, I'm a people watcher anyway. And I see this guy walking, and he's walking funny. And I go, he's walking like he's got two prosthetic legs or something. It was just a weird gait. You know, you can see somebody's gait. And I've seen somebody that had their uh, uh, Achilles tendons both cut, and they walk funny like that, too. Their feet kind of lops. Anyway, I seen that, and I just thought, huh, maybe he's got prosthetic legs. I don't know. And I just went back to studying. But then I go in the store and I do my shopping and I start to go to this aisle and I go, ah, I'm going over here. And I go to this aisle and the guy stands up. And I see it's a wheelchair he stood up out of. Total different guy, not the other guy. And I go, what's up with the wheelchair? And he goes, I don't have any legs. And I go, really, how'd you lose your legs? He goes, in the war. And I just shook his hand and thanked him for fighting. And I said, it's interesting because my feet were hurting and I was complaining to God about it and talking about my feet. And he says, mine don't hurt anymore. 
I mean, I said, message received, Lord. I get it. I get it. And the guy was, I mean, he was working. He was not complaining. And I thanked him again and, you know, pretty much fell over myself thanking him. And, but he didn't give up. But sometimes you feel like when your feet hurt, you want to faint. You want to give up. Your body hurts. His tent is wearing out. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Chapter 5. Listen, we haven't finished chapter 4 yet, but chapter 5. For we know that if this earthly house, this tent, this clay pot that has this treasure in it is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. In this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. Listen, he reminds him again. What if you die and you don't even have no home? You're, you're, you're naked, blind. That's what he counsels this church age in, in Revelation 3. Naked, blind, wretched. And he counsels them to buy from him gold refined in the fire to come and get into the word of God. And find out the knowledge of God. And allow the spirit of God to wash the child of God. And to change you. And don't faint. <coughs> the outward man may be dying. It's made to groan. It's groaning for redemption. Just like the earth. See they want us to go out and recycle and take care of the earth. And we should be good stewards. But God already told us the earth will wear out like a garment. It's groaning for redemption the same way my feet and my body and my back are. They're groaning for redemption. But don't grow weary and well doing for in due season you will reap if you do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Get the perspective that's from heaven that this is all for a moment. But eternity is eternity. And people are going to die. And if we die now, other people can come to life and spend eternity with God instead of separated from God. This is the ministry he's given to us. The service that if we truly believe in God, the Holy Spirit, the self-same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, wants to raise us up and give us life so that we'll die and give others life. It becomes the primary importance of life. Not everything else. See, what happens is, is in the selfishness and in us taking care of ourselves, we argue with everybody around us. We rage against all wise counsel because we're selfish and we want it our way. But when we have this ministry of death and we know that as we die, we can impart life, we stop arguing. We, start contend we stop contending. We know that we're the Lord's bond person or servant, and we don't have to be quarrelsome because we don't have anything to prove. All we're preaching is Christ crucified. That's all we're preaching. If they want to argue with God, let them argue with God. But we don't have to prove nothing. Absolutely nothing. Usually the guys that talk about fighting, they don't know how to fight. They're not sure of themselves. Always watch the silent ones. Serious. They're the ones that hit you with a ball bat. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, where are we at? So, 16. The outward man is perishing. The old nature. So you can look at this a couple different ways. The old nature is, is crucified with Christ. It's 
no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Listen to me. The old man is perishing. He's decaying. He's dying. The physical man, the outward man, is dying. rotting thoroughly utterly corrupt it's our earthly tent the inward man from within side the true person the true creation what we are made to be actually Matthew 7 15 is the first usage we haven't done one of them tonight I've skipped over them all let's do Matthew 7 15 ooh is that right Hmm. So mine says first Matthew. Oh. I put first usage and then after I do it for a while, then I know I can leave out the other words and I know what first means. <laughs> so it says first Matthew. I heard a comedian the other day, he said, We had a Christian concert and it was so Christian that we even had first, second, and third John. That's where we went to the bathroom. <laughs> it was such a Christian concert. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. No, it was really a Christian concert because we had first, second, and third Johns. Oh, never mind. Bob Smiley, he's hilarious. Where did I tell you to go? 715? First Matthew. Notice this. Notice where it's used at first. 715. Beware of false prophets, pseudo, who come to you in sheep's clothing Right? Looks like an angel of light. Looks like they know what they're talking about. But inwardly, in the heart, they're ravenous wolves. Think about that. That's the first usage. And so it's supposed to be outward is showing what's going on inward. But they are false. This is what Paul's talking about. The Judaizers, the Gnostics. He's talking about these false teachers that's attacking his apostleship. See, inwardly, we need to be changing also. Inwardly. Inwardly. The outward man, our flesh, now it doesn't mean that you have to you be crazy on the outward, but I usually tell you how a person looks on the outside reveals what's going on in the inside. There's a lot going on on the inside. So we need to wake up about what we're doing. Um, I remember when my pastor, he had long hair when he, for a long time when he got saved. And then he realized that his long hair was keeping him from being able to preach the short hairs. So he cut his hair off so he could preach to everybody. See, because a long hair, listen to a long hair, but most a lot of short hair people won't listen to long hair people. They think it's rebellious. But that's changing in our culture. I get that. But at that time, he said, you know what? This is hindering my ministry. And so he cut his hair off. That's called dying to self. Well, I can argue, I can yell, I can scream, I can do these things. I have a right. Wait a minute. Die. Jesus had a right to stay on the throne in heaven and never come. But he died. He's God. Yet, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Renewed is to renovate, to renew. Um... This is the first usage here for renewed. 
and it's only used, this word is only used in Colossians 3. Look at this, because this becomes your will. This becomes your choice. Colossians 3. You guys have been here a lot with me. We'll do this and we'll close. Sorry. Colossians 3. Paul talking to the church in Colossae. 3.1. If then you were raised with Christ, you've come and, and collected your faculties, got up from the dead, seek those things which are above, heavenly, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, power. Set your mind on things. Where's my mind supposed to be? I'm having it renewed. On things above, not on things on the earth, things that are, that are eternal, not things that are earthly. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members. This is where you, your, 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 your spirit's married to God. And now your, your mind, will, and emotions is being corrected as you obey. And now you're putting to death and beating the body into subjection so that it obeys. Put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Well, what do you mean? There's wrath coming upon disobedient people? Yes, because we're called to follow Christ and learn to obey. In which you yourself once peripateo walked when you lived in them, but now you yourselves are to put off all these now listen, because these are things that you would think, ah, it's okay. Moses went to heaven. He was angry. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. It's just a little while. Like, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed. How? In knowledge. Gnoskos, by knowing in intimacy with Christ, according to the image, when you see the image of him who created him, of Christ, he spoke into darkness. And then he says, whether it's neither Jew nor Greek, Scythian or free, slave. So let's close this. The, the inward man is being renewed. Are you being renewed or are you still keeping the same attitude? That's just who I am. I can do this. I just I think that. And I believe that. And I'm of the opinion that. What does God say? Are you being renewed as a new creation? It's one of his final points over in five. Um, for our light affliction. It hurts. It's light. Compared to what could happen in hell. It's light. Since it's good for you. It's a light affliction. Easy, light in weight, small, it's less. When he says, for my burden is easy and my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, first usage, Matthew eleven thirty. Which is but for a moment. Man, this has been going on all my life. It's a moment on the blink of eternity. It's a moment. It's at this instant. Usually it comes to pass, right? What you're struggling with last year. But what's it doing, Greg? It's working, accomplishing, finishing. It's working out. It's causing for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
everlasting glory, dignity, honor, because we're becoming like Christ. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Listen, everything. He's going to say it over here uh, uh, in uh, 16, 516. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. See, we don't, we don't look at these things in the flesh. But see, the whole church is looking at the flesh and fighting over the flesh. We're looking at the flesh and fighting the battle in the street. We're looking at the flesh and we're dealing with that. But it's a spiritual. The heavenly things. We're seeking those things which are above. We're dead to this temporal. Where are you looking at? What do you see? What's causing you to faint? I could keep going. I wanted to go all the way to 5. You can read it as your homework. 5, 1 through 11. You can read all of 5 if you want. And then 6, 7, and 8. And then... Uh, <laughs> okay. So here's the huddle. Next week's verse. Psalms. Next week's verse. Psalms. It's one that God gave me when I first got saved. Psalms. 2714. I don't know if we've done this one before or not. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This is what we do in prayer. We're waiting on the Lord. We go through affliction. We go through suffering. We're waiting on the Lord. He's coming to... We're waiting on the Lord. You can talk about this in many ways. Wait till you see what it actually goes back to. Oh my goodness, it's a marriage. A cord of three strands. Waiting is being bound together like a rope. We're waiting on the Lord because He's our strength. He's the one going to pull us out. Psalms 27, 14. Write it down. Listen, we do memory. You're memorizing... But what does it mean? Yet once you start memorizing it, now that you get it memorized, now you want to ponder, what's he talking to me about? What's he saying to me? How can I share that with somebody else and they glean from what God is teaching me? How can I help them have life and that more abundantly instead of fainting? Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for calling us out of darkness. Lord, we pray that you'd help us not to lose heart. We know that even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And you're allowing the affliction and the pain. You're allowing us to go through it, Lord. So we'll look to you. Thank you, Lord. Burn out the dross. Remove the flesh. Circumcise our hearts. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless you.